Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for this week's edition of The Snap. I'm Sydney Jones, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Alexis Perry. It is week 14 of the regular season, and man, the season has flown by, Alexis. But today we have a really fun show planned for you all. Alexis and I will be joined very shortly by CBS Sports Network anchor and reporter Cherie Burris, who will help us preview this weekend's matchup between the Broncos and Panthers and chat a little bit about her career. But first, our quick snap of the day. Unfortunately, it is not post-win Wednesday here on the snap, but the Broncos put up what I think was their best game of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. However, the Broncos didn't seem pleased with their performance after the game, and head coach Vic Fangio said they weren't taking this as a moral victory. Alexis, what do you think? What worked well for the Broncos on Sunday? Well, first off, I just appreciate the fact that this team doesn't consider that game Sunday night against the Chiefs a moral victory because that's just not the Broncos way. I think ever since Pat Bolin purchased this franchise, the expectation has been for this team to be the best at everything they do, both on and off the field. Almost beating the Chiefs isn't being the best. So I like hearing that the expectation that this team has for itself is still to be the best right now. And at least for the next decade with Patrick Mahomes as the face of that franchise, the Chiefs are going to be the team to beat in the AFC West. But it seems like the Broncos are getting closer to finally slaying the beast thanks to their defense. We all know Coach Fangio is a brilliant defensive mind. And Sunday up against one of the best offensive minds in Andy Reid, I actually think that Vic Fangio got the best of Andy Reid, even though the final score didn't say that. Fangio's defense held Patrick Mahomes to the second fewest points so far in his career, and they didn't allow a single touchdown on four red zone opportunities. They blitzed at the perfect time. They applied the perfect amount of pressure when they needed to. And I have to say, Shelby Harris, I missed him, and clearly the Broncos did too. He came up with two huge plays, batting down the ball, forcing the Chiefs to kick a pair of field goals. So in my opinion, it was really the defense that stood out Sunday. Uh, but I will say the Broncos balanced offense kind of caught my eye as well, Sid. I couldn't agree more, Alexis. And I'm so happy we have Shelby Harris back. One <laughs> other thing I want to point, I know one other thing I want to point out too, is the run game. You know, Dalton Reisner spoke with the media on Tuesday and said that the offense is really starting to establish a run first physical identity. And I think we right. really saw that on Sunday night. They rushed for 179 yards against the Chiefs, most of that coming from Melvin Gordon, who finished the game with 15 carries for 131 yards. That's a season high for Melvin. And I think we can give some thanks there to the offensive line and their improvement for that. They really controlled the line of scrimmage on Sunday, which opened up a lot of different things for our offense. So hopefully we'll see that run first physical trend continue to grow and get better with the remaining four weeks. But Alexis, how would you grade Drew Locke's performance against his hometown team? Oh, that is such a tough question. Um, I would say, honestly, like a C plus, maybe a B minus. Um, I think it was an interesting game given all the noise and drama surrounding Drew Locke heading into the game, given how he was forced to sit out the week before due to the COVID-19 protocols. Um, but I was really glad to see that his confidence and swagger still perfectly intact. Uh, but once again, it was kind of another roller coaster performance from Drew. We started low with the early interception. Then we peaked when he connected with Tim Patrick on that fade route. I mean, beautiful pass, better catch the toe tap, like Tim Patrick absolutely nailed that. It was like literally one heck of a connection. Um, but I do think- Give me toe tap. 
I know. Timmy Chow Taps. I love that. We should hashtag that. Um, I do like, you know, some of the things that he's doing when he stood tall in the pocket and when, you know, on those design bootlegs, he's really making some really impressive throws, but still his decision-making is something that he really needs to work on. He was given a golden opportunity to lead his team to a last minute comeback over his hometown team. It could have been a storybook ending that he and all of Broncos country really, really wanted. But another bad decision trying to force something downfield resulted in yet another pick. That's seven straight games with an interception. And while I know Peyton Manning is hoping that Drew Locke will break his rookie record of 28 picks thrown in a season, I'm personally hoping that Locke can really clean that part of his game up this week. Me too, Alexis. And one other thing I want to mention real quick is that head coach Vic Fangio talked on Monday and he said he saw a lot of improvement on the ability to convert on third down, which is something that's been talked about this whole season. He wants to continue to see that improvement. The Broncos finished seven of 13 on third down. So definitely a better game for Denver there. But like he said, there's a lot more to improve upon. Well, the Broncos will hit the road again this weekend as they travel to Charlotte, North Carolina for their last East Coast game of the season to take on the Panthers. And here to get us up to speed on this matchup, the CBS Sports sideline reporter Sheree Burris, who will be at Bank of America Stadium this Sunday. Sheree, thanks so much for joining us today. First off, how are you? Good. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Just Excited for another uh, week of NFL. It's kind of been a crazy 2020, but excited that we're uh, still getting to this point. We are too. Sheree, just to start from the national perspective, what do you think of this matchup as a whole? What excites you about it? I'm really excited to see how the team sort of bounce back. I know this year probably isn't what either team really wanted. Uh, And in the COVID issues for Carolina this week, obviously we know what the Broncos went through in the previous week. So it's really interesting to see kind of how they both bounce back and who can kind of get the edge to get the win because both teams are, uh, I don't think desperate for a W, but could certainly uh, use a win. Yeah. Who do you think has the advantage really heading into this game, Shuri? Is it the Panthers who are well-rested, but a little shorthanded, or is it the Broncos who obviously have a lot of momentum coming off that really close Chiefs game over the weekend? I'm thinking it is Denver because of that Chiefs game. I know we said Carolina had that week to rest, but they have eight, I believe, players, uh, five starters that are dealing with COVID this week. So they're going to be shorthanded, as you mentioned. And I don't know if, if it's not a confidence booster to hold Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to 22 points. I don't know what else is in this league. So Denver just needs to kind of keep building off of that. I know there's sort of a, what I would call a honey-do list. Uh, for Drew Locke to improve on this week. But momentum is, I think, on their side here. Well, speaking of that close Broncos-Chiefs game, Sheree, what did you see that you liked about this Broncos team? It seemed like Drew Locke had a few flashes, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, I was kind of flipping back and forth, and then eventually we, we stuck with the game and we saw just how close and how good it was. I mean, Denver was leading the Chiefs there for a while. Uh, so it's definitely a good game. I mean, I actually used to work in Columbia, Missouri. So I'm very familiar with Drew Locke, watching him all through his four years in college. So I'm a huge Drew Locke fan. Um, Looking at his numbers, I mean, he's only played 14 games through two seasons. I'm not calling him a rookie, but he hasn't even played a whole NFL season yet. So there's still a little bit of growing pain. So I think that kind of stuck out to me, but definitely the Denver defense also um, was really impressive. Well, we all know this Sunday, it will be Drew Locke up against Teddy Bridgewater. So you have the young gun going up against the vet. So what is your take on that quarterback matchup coming up this week? 
I really like Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, the fact that he's been able to overcome so many things, injuries, multiple teams. Uh, he's kind of a mobile guy, too. So I'm interested to see kind of that balance of, you know, Drew can scramble, too. But I think his sort of claim to fame is that cannon of an arm that he's got. So just kind of balancing the, the run game versus, you know, who can kind of throw the better balls is going to kind of be a, a deciding factor in this one. Yeah, and Christian McCaffrey is expected to return this Sunday after missing three games due to a shoulder injury. But like we mentioned earlier, the Panthers are going to be without some key players. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel might not play on Sunday because they were placed on COVID-19 list on Monday. What could the return of McCaffrey mean for the Panthers, especially if they're without um, two of their top three receivers? I think it's a really cool story, you know, doing research for this game, reading about, you know, the connection that Christian McCaffrey has to Denver with his dad, um, how it's kind of full circle that this is the first time he's playing the Broncos. Uh, so, you know, there's a little extra fuel in his motor for Sunday, but it's interesting that Carolina's 0-3 when he's played this year. So banged up or not, we know Christian McCaffrey is a threat, but it's going to be interesting to see what he can do and if they can finally get a win with him out there on the field. And in terms of receivers, the Broncos have seen Tim Patrick take a big jump this season. Rookies, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, they've really stepped up since Cortland Sutton was placed on IR. What are your thoughts on some of those guys? I think it's a, it's a really good receiving core. Like you said, they're kind of young. I mean, Jerry Judy really stood out to me. I'm a huge also college football fan. So getting to watch him on the college level, absolutely just light up the SEC now to be here in the NFL. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I know he, I guess there's reports, he hasn't been happy with how many receiving yards and, you know, targets he's gotten. So, you know, he's just anxious to kind of break out. So I think this, this receiving core is just, you know, they're, they're just almost there. You know, if Drew can get a couple more good balls to them and they can hang on, I think this really could be a really strong group. Yeah, hopefully this could be a big breakout weekend for Jerry Judy. But like we both know, or all know, the Broncos and Panthers are one and four in their last five games. So who do you think needs the win most at this point? It's a really good question. There's so much on the line. I mean, you never want to tank on purpose. Um, but, you know, there could be some really good guys early on in the draft that you might think, well, I guess that could be our, our silver lining. Um, I would say, though, I guess my... My money would be on Drew Locke and, and Denver at this point, just that he is so young. Um, I know there's some calls of what should we do about the quarterback situation for uh, for that position. So I think just for his own job security, um, Drew, Drew needs to lead this team to a win. One more question about the matchup for you, Sheree. It was announced today that A.J. Boye is going to be suspended for the next six games and our other cornerbacks, Bryce Callahan and Isang Bassi, they're both placed on IR within, I think, the past week or two. Um, how do you think our secondary is going to adapt to that? It sounds so cheesy. And even when I hear it from, you know, teams, I think, oh, you know, the textbook answer next man up. But that's exactly what it's going to have to be. I mean, there's very few guys that make it to the NFL and everyone is good. And that's why they're getting paid. So I think this is a really uh, important opportunity for those younger guys to really step up and prove that, yeah, I deserve some minutes. I deserve uh, to be out there and I'm going to earn these paychecks and, Hey, you know, maybe I have a chip on my shoulder because I'm not the starter or I just got called up from the practice squad. So I hope they put a little grit on Sunday.
We hope so too. Sheree, thanks so much for getting us up to speed on the matchup. As you all know at home, one of our main goals here on the snap is to highlight women's impact in and around the NFL. So Sheree, let's dive a little more into your career now. Just to start, can you tell us about your role with CBS Sports? Sure. So I just started in January. Um, I do CBS Sports, NFL, college football, um, also on CBS Sports Network and CBS Sports HQ, which is all digital uh, gambling, highlights, analysis, the whole nine. So it's been a lot of fun kind of getting my hands on a little bit of everything. It was weird that, you know, I started at a sports network right before COVID and the entire sports world kind of imploded. Um, but I really appreciate the way, you know, CBS has handled everything and we feel safe on the road. So I'm excited to even be included that we uh, still have sports to cover at this point. Yeah. What was it like landing a job right at the beginning of COVID? <laughs> it was wild. I mean, I felt like, you know, starting in January, I just almost sort of was getting my bearings, um, you know, being behind the desk, getting on the sideline. It was really exciting. And then we were covering the Patriot League championship game. I think it was March 11th was our game. And we woke up on March 12th, you know, the NBA. And then I was driving home from my game. So I was listening to Sirius radio, flipping between like NHL, MLB, you know, like all the, the leagues hearing we're postponing, we're postponing, you know, NCAA. So it was just a giant avalanche of news and what's next and what's going to happen. Um, I'm not a very patient person. It's something I'm working on, but it definitely was a game of patience of, okay, let's make sure first off everyone's healthy with this weird new thing called COVID. Um, and then just kind of seeing where the sports landscape kind of looked like. Now, how did you land this role with CBS? And can you kind of walk us through the path you took to get here? Yeah, so I graduated uh, from the University of Wisconsin in Madison with a degree in journalism. Um, I started in sales and it, you know, I. I knew I wanted to be a reporter, so I really tried to push to kind of get that, even though I had a full-time job. So I got my first job in Columbia, Missouri. I started in news because there were no sports jobs. Um, thankfully, I was able to move over to the sports side not too long into that. Stayed there in Columbia for three years. From there, I was lucky enough to move all the way up to Atlanta, and I was at the CBS affiliate there for almost two years. Um, of course, I left right before the Falcons made the Super Bowl and the Georgia Bulldogs made the national championship game. Um, but then from there, I moved to Washington, D.C., which I absolutely loved. Um, my husband and I both work in television, so we really enjoyed getting to cover you know, the championships there in D.C. and just kind of fall in love with the city. Um, but I didn't get a lot of chance to sideline in those roles, um, just a little bit here and there for preseason. And I knew that's something I wanted to explore more. So just working with my agent, you know, meetings and interviews throughout the summer and um, thankfully able to connect with CBS and CBS Sports and here we are. For those who might not know, what's the biggest difference between working in local television and working for a big national network like you do now? The biggest thing is what you focus on. I mean, local, you're focusing on just the teams in your so-called market or your city. Uh, so DC, it was, you know, the four big teams, Maryland, um, trying to think what else. We even did a little bit of Baltimore just because they're about 45 minutes away. Um, but national network, you're covering every team, every league. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I was like, what do I tweet about? Like, I'm so used to just tweeting about, you know, like Washington football or Capitals. Um, but the whole world is kind of your oyster once you're on the network level. So there's a lot more information 
to consume because you kind of need to be a jack of all trades and know a little bit about everything. Um, but when it comes to game prep, which has been completely different than what I did in local, it's really honing in sort of week by week and you have a folder in your mind, at least I do. Like last week I did Colts Houston. So that folder is now like saved in another folder and I'm opening a whole new one uh, this week for Panthers, Broncos. And you just kind of move along and you save things as you go, but you have to have a lot of memory space. I'm sure that has to be super, super challenging, but throughout this entire process, you know, local television now on a national network, what are some of the other challenges that you faced along the way? Definitely, um, I think adversity, I don't want to say being a woman in sports, but there's definitely a little bit of a, I, I mean, personally, I feel like I have to do extra or I need to further prove that, you know, I know what I'm talking about, doing the research. Um, you know, you don't want someone to think, oh, she got here because she's a woman. You know, that never wants, I never want that to be a reason someone thinks I was able to, to land this job or any of my jobs. So that's definitely something um, just the workload and figuring out how to manage it, um, between, you know, if it's anchoring or sidelining, um, work-life balance, which if any of you ladies have any suggestions, I'm still trying to figure it out. Zero. Um, no advice. <laughs> Four days a week and, you know, needing days to reset, but you're studying. So that's definitely a balance, but it's funny. I, uh, a couple of years ago in Atlanta, ran into Lindsay Zarniak, who worked at ESPN at the time, but now with Fox. And I just came up to her and I was like, hi, I love you. You don't know me. Um, you know, I'm just starting, but I just want to know, like, is this worth it? You know, like I'm missing weddings and weekends and holidays and I'm working till 2 a.m. Um, and she said, yeah. So I was like, all right, like, we'll give it a go. Um, lo and behold, in DC, she used to work at that station I was at. So when we first connected again, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, like we met at the Falcons game. She was, oh my gosh, of course. And you know, now we're good friends. She lives like 30 minutes up the road from us. So it's definitely been something that I always kind of keep in mind that, you know, your twenties, you're missing so much in this job, which is definitely a sacrifice, but there's definitely very cool things that you get to do. Like you know, ride on a parade float because the Capitals won their first ever Stanley Cup or you were in the dugout or the, the clubhouse where the Nationals are doing their champagne showers and fingers crossed I get to go to a Super Bowl um, being with CBS. So those are the kind of the trade-offs I'm learning that come with this job. Well, I haven't found a stress reliever yet, but I did just sign up for <laughs> yoga. So that might help. I'll let you know. Part. <laughs> what has been your favorite part of this role so far, whether it's sideline, anchoring, what do you like the most? I, I love all of it. Um, you know, I get FOMO, fear of missing out. So when I'm on the desk for a little bit too long, I'm like, oh man, like I want to get out there. I want to sideline. I want to travel. And then, you know, sometimes when you're like, man, I need a break from like TSA and getting COVID tests every week. I like want to be on the desk and, you know, asking the questions to our analysts who are obviously so knowledgeable or, you know, they played the game. Um, so that's definitely kind of the balance. So I think my favorite part is getting to, to kind of do everything. Now, out of everything that you've ever covered in your career, whether it's an event or a game, what has been your favorite and why? Oh, it's a tough one. There's a very, like not long list, but there's like at least a top five. Um, this time last year, when I still was working in DC, we got to cover a game at Lambeau Field. And growing up, I'm a huge Packer fan. Um, so getting to like be on the field at Lambeau, like I wanted to take some grass and like stick it in my pocket, but I didn't want to get kicked out. 
Um, so I didn't, but getting to, to be there for that was pretty cool. Um, like I said, I think covering the Caps, winning the Stanley Cup and the Nats winning the World Series are definitely high on my list. Um, and I think too, I guess just in general, my favorite thing about this job is the people. Um, you know, even like the staff workers, you know, in DC or in Columbia, like getting to know the security guards and the players, um, you know, they're people too. So like getting to ask, you know, Alex Ovechkin, like, how's your son? Like, you know, what is he up to now? You, you know, or Adam Eaton or any of these guys, um, cause you spend so much time with them, particularly in a postseason run, um, I think is my favorite part. Okay, I have to ask, given the Stanley Cup championship banner behind you and the yes. little Stanley Cup on your shelf, yeah. like, are you a big hockey fan? So I am now. This has been a uh, more new development in my life. <laughs> Covering the Caps, winning the Cup definitely will make you fall in love. But my husband is from Missouri. Okay. Uh, we met actually at our first TV station in Columbia. He's a photographer, a camera guy. I'm in front of the camera. So, you know, we spent a lot of time together that's how we met, but he is a huge blues fan. So that's his uh, blues banner. I think that's his mini cup. It's also his arcade game that he loves, but yeah, we have like a lot of sports memorabilia, just kind of all over this room. That is awesome. Okay. Last one. Sorry, Alexis. I just wanted to bring up you talking about Green Bay and Lambeau Field. I started in local news too. And my first job was in Wausau, Wisconsin. I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah. But I got to cover the Packers while I was there. And there's something about Lambeau Field. I don't know what it is, but it kind of just gives you chills. Yeah, it really is. And I was never a Packers fan growing up. I'm from Florida, not even close to Wisconsin. And there was nothing like it still. So in my you career. had to buy a lot of new coats when you got your first job? <laughs> yes, I did. And thankfully I'm in Denver now where I still need them. The cheese curds and the, the spotted cow and just, you oh, know, the, the okay. um, <laughs> but you know, always good to get back. Growing up, my brother was a, a Brett Favre fan, so he would always run around every Halloween. He would dress up as Brett Favre, which I thought was adorable. We lived in California. I'm like, Jerry Rice? Like, is there anyone else that you want to dress up as? Like, Brett Favre seems so random. But anyways, um, okay, last but certainly not least, you know, throughout all of your experiences in the sports industry, what advice would you give women in this industry, no matter what area they really want to work in? Yeah, I would say just keep keep pressing, keep pushing. Um, you're going to hear a million no's. Um, you're going to send out a gazillion reels and emails and tweets and all the such, but it just takes one person um, to believe in you or give you a chance. And it is a very small business. So if you make one connection, you know, just try to stay in touch. You just never know where either they may know a job that's available or they can help you further down the road. So keep pushing. Um, there's a lot of adversity out there, but there's definitely more women in sports and, um, there needs to be even more. So I, I encourage all the ladies. Well, Sheree, I know I can speak on behalf of Alexis and I, when I say it was such a pleasure to have you on the snap today. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about the Broncos Panthers matchup and your career. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. All right, Broncos country, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of The Snap. Thanks so much for tuning in and make sure to meet us right back here on the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube next week for another fun episode.